Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. It's Monday, March 30th. I'm Gideon Resnick. And I'm Aaron Ryan, filling in for Akilah Hughes. And this is What a Day, preparing for at least another month of recording from my dark closet. I guess that explains your outfit, Gideon. Yes, I am wearing, uh, if you've ever seen Joe Exotic, I'm wearing exactly what he's wearing. On today's show, how mutual aid networks are responding to the coronavirus crisis, then some headlines. But first, the latest. This right here is a world anthem called I Believe That We Will Win. This right here is the motivating world. With that said, I want y'all to stay healthy, stay safe, and stay blessed. That's I Believe We Will Win, a new motivational coronavirus anthem by Pitbull. All right. So last week we told you about the massive economic relief bill that passed in Congress. President Trump signed it into law on Friday. And on Sunday, he held one of his daily news conferences on the pandemic where he, among other things, seemed to insanely suggest that hospital employees may be hoarding masks and lashed out at at least one reporter for reading his own quote back to him. But aside from his maniacal theatrics, what other news is coming out of D.C. right now? Yeah, so let's start with the relief bill really quick, or the CARES Act. As we talked about, Democrats added an inspector general to oversee how the administration would actually dole out that bailout money to various companies. Well, when Trump signed the law, he also released a statement saying he wants to oversee the overseer, which would ultimately defeat the purpose. So that's an important story and fight that we're going to be monitoring down the road. But about that Trump press conference yesterday, it followed tweets from the president about the television ratings of such events, again, during the midst of a crisis. But the big news is that Trump said social distancing will now extend until April 30th, far past Easter, which is when Trump had previously said he wanted to get the economy up and running again. Earlier on in the day, on Sunday, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is on the White House Coronavirus Task Force, said that it's possible the United States could see 100,000 to 200,000 deaths and millions of infections. But he qualified it saying those numbers were a, quote, moving target. Right. And that helps explain why the social distancing guidelines have been extended. So we know one of the major hotspots for the virus so far has been New York and the surrounding tri-state area. Over the weekend, Trump tweeted something about quarantining the region and then quickly walked it back. What the hell? Yeah, so this actually happened in a span of time that I think uh, was long enough to confuse people, but it quickly got shot shot down. Instead, the CDC put out guidance Saturday night saying that residents of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut should not travel domestically for 14 days unless it is essential. This does not apply to individuals who are working, for instance, in trucking, public health, and food supply, among other things. 
But already, a number of other states had been urging people who traveled from New York recently to self-quarantine. And in Texas, this is really crazy, authorities are saying that Department of Public Safety agents will fine violators and possibly jail them for up to 180 days. Meanwhile, New York City's Mayor Bill de Blasio said that the city has about a week left of medical supplies as hospitals are being overrun. And on Sunday, an emergency field hospital was being built in Central Park. More supplies are on the way, but it's been a patchwork of shipments rather than a coordinated response. Again, this is what everybody has been talking about in terms of the administration not stepping in and filling its role here. More on all of that as it develops, but let's talk through what's going on elsewhere. All right. So internationally, I want to give an update on a few areas we haven't talked much about yet. So let's start with Africa. The virus is just getting a foothold on that continent and governments there are trying to tamp down its spread before it overwhelms health systems. Unfortunately, police and military enforcement of lockdowns and quarantines have turned violent in Kenya, Rwanda and Zimbabwe. And in South Africa, where there are the most cases on the continent, police reportedly have harassed homeless people in Johannesburg and arrested 55 people on Friday, which was the first day of the country's lockdown. There are now more than 4,000 confirmed coronavirus cases in Africa, but that number is probably much smaller than the actual number of cases because in Africa, like in the U.S., early testing has lagged. Right. And in Russia, as of today, Moscow residents are only allowed to leave home to perform essential jobs, buy food or medicine, or walk their pets within just 100 meters of their houses. Uh, why has Russia got a lockdown, Fido? <laughs> Anyway, we have another cruise ship to report on, a Holland America ship that has been floating off the coast of Panama for days and waiting for permission to cross the Panama Canal. Finally got some news today. Um, 130 passengers have fallen ill with flu-like symptoms and four people have died, but now the ship has gotten permission to pass through the canal. Healthy passengers will be removed and the rest of the ship will sail on to South Florida where they will dock and be met by medical personnel. That's the update for today. A quick pivot. Uh, While all of this is happening outside of our homes, a lot of us are trapped indoors. And for parents, that means spending a lot more time with your kids than you normally would. So for those of you with kids, how are they handling it? Are they weirder or more terrifyingly stoic than you remember? (laughs) On my podcast, Hysteria, we're featuring stories from parents submitted through our parental vent line. So if you've got a story about your wild kids, record a 30-second voice memo on your phone and email it to hysteria at crooked.com. We've been covering the response to the coronavirus pandemic and federal and local efforts to support people at a time when many are struggling. The government has beefed up unemployment insurance and expanded paid sick leave, but we know these efforts don't cover everyone. For example, you may not qualify for stimulus checks based on your immigration status or if your parents claim you as a dependent on their taxes. For many more, the support that is being provided isn't going to be enough or delivered fast enough. Right. And that's where mutual aid networks come in, where neighbors and community members come together to pool resources and respond quickly to requests for assistance. It's not a new organizing concept. Historically, we've seen these networks play an important role in black, indigenous and immigrant communities when disaster strikes or institutional support just isn't there. And now during this health and economic emergency, mutual aid networks are popping up and scaling up all over the country. To get a better understanding of how these groups work, we spoke with Christine gatson Michaelak, co-founder of the Claremont Mutual Aid Project in California. I think a lot of the networks that we're seeing happen right now in general before the crisis and right now during the pandemic is 
people coming together, um, using online spreadsheets to state what they need. Like just to say, this is what I need. I need baby formula. I can't find baby formula anywhere. It's not that I can't afford it. I just can't find it. We put that out in the world. And a day later, we have someone driving to East Los Angeles to drop off some baby formula. And it's really, it can be as simple as that. And it's just about bringing people together to meet needs, right? And um, right now we're seeing a lot of folks who need their basic necessities, food, uh, medicine, rent money, um, right? So while a lot of this is resource, like material support that looks like actual supplies, we're also seeing a need for a, a lot of money to be moved around at this time. Right. And and you've been involved in community organizing for quite some time and started this mutual aid project last summer, you know, before the day-to-day realities of, of a pandemic. But how have you adapted in response to this new reality in terms of the, the kind of stuff that you're doing day-to-day and the the work that is happening within the network? There hasn't necessarily been much adaptation. It's more been about scale. Like we're doing the same things that we we were before. Um, it hasn't really changed. It's the same. It's just gotten bigger. There's more people participating um, and participation is happening more often. Um, what have you seen is the biggest need for people right now in your community? And how do you see mutual aid networks uh, continuing to meet community needs through this crisis and beyond? Yeah. Um, like I said, the, the most basic necessities are what people need, food, medicine, hygiene products like menstrual products or toilet paper or soap. Um, and then again, rent money, right? Like our, our government is not doing enough to protect people from um, eviction, like maybe in the short term, but not in the long term. Uh, so it's really basic necessities that we're seeing now. And I'm really excited about the opportunity as, as really sucky as the reason is that we're in this moment. Um, I do have a lot of hope that people who haven't considered this a viable option for community care in the past are going to see it working now and realize that this is how we can be with one another all the time. Like we don't have to rely on other people who are higher up and who are making decisions about who is worthy and who isn't, we can just take care of one another. Like it can always be like this. Mm-hmm. And on the the topic of rent, just quickly, um, I'm kind of curious in in practice how that works. I, I guess is it is it sort of like a Venmo situation or what exactly is going on? Right now in the mutual aid network that I am helping to organize and administer. Um, folks reach out and say like what they need. And in a lot of cases that is looking like rent money. And then they have the opportunity to say how they want that money to get to them. Whether it's um, mostly it's through payment apps, right? Like cash app or, or Venmo or PayPal. And it's not the organized, it's not the admin team who is making decisions about who gets what. Um, this is a network of people who are coming together and there's a lot of people who have more than they need. And so they look at this spreadsheet and they, read this person's note about what they're going through and how much money they need and why, and they just send it directly to them. There Mm -hmm. is no middleman. There is no decisions about worthiness. It's person to person giving like direct giving. And I think in this time it's, and always really it's, it's just so important to lean into trust 
Um, I hear people being concerned about scams, but I'm not actually hearing about scams, right? And what I am hearing a lot is from poor and working class folks who are nervous about asking for what they need. They're like, I know that there's other people who are so much worse off than I am. It's hard for me to ask for $2,000, even though that's how much I need to survive the next three to four weeks. Because I know that there are people out there who are sleeping on the street. So there's obviously people who need it more than me. And yeah, it's it's definitely something that is not normal or comfortable for a lot of people. And it just takes practice, like got to lean into that discomfort and just do it. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wanted to start a mutual aid group in their community, or they wanted to find one to get involved with, what's the easiest way to go about it? I would encourage folks who want to engage in mutual aid to seek out networks that already exist because having a broad base of people who are sharing resources makes it easier for people's needs to get met. And if folks want to start something because there's nothing going on or because a complimentary project would make sense, like in Los Angeles, there's four big ones that I know of and we're all working not necessarily together, but Los Angeles is a big area, right? So if you do find the need to start something on your own, there are so many resources online. I would definitely recommend um, Big Door Brigade, which it was started by Dean Spade, who is um, definitely an expert on mutual aid. I am not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I would also encourage folks to look at the models that are already being used. Like there is no need to reinvent the wheel. There are so many models that exist. Just copy them. That was Christine gatson Michaelak, co-founder of the Claremont Mutual Aid Project in California. The resource she mentioned there to learn more about mutual aid is BigDoorBrigade.com. It's got a list of mutual aid networks around the country and information on how to build a network in your area if nothing exists already. Plus, a bunch more useful links and tools. Check it out. It's Monday, and time for a check-in. Okay, so by this point, millions of Americans have been in mandatory isolation for at least 10 days, which means we've had plenty of time to get really tired of the people that we are in mutual isolation with, or if we live alone, of ourselves. So Gideon, I know you live alone. (laughs) What's one annoying thing... Wow, coming in really hot. I know. What's one annoying thing you've noticed about... The Gideon that you're currently sharing space with. You know, this this Gideon uh, lacks a degree of organization, uh, <laughs> lacks willpower to stay focused on various things throughout the day. There, there could be there could be better Gideons, but uh, you know we we need to we need to come together and deal with the Gideons that we have before we move on to the other Gideons. Exactly that old that old chestnut. Play with the Gideons you have, not with the exactly. Gideon, not with the Gideons you want for sure. Look. That's the that's the adage from from the Bible. But how about how about you, Aaron? Are are things getting tense in quarantine? Um, a little bit, but they've they've smoothed out. I think initially we had a lot of fights about food and like fridge organization. Mm. Like when you're with somebody at home all the time, it's like you get mad at them for the way that they stack the tortillas on top of the the smaller tortillas. Like the right. bigger tortillas should go on the bottom, and the smaller tortillas on the top, and like. 
Of course, we have to keep a large bottle of pickle juice in the fridge. We might want to take pickleback shots. This is not a time to limit the type of shots we can take during an epidemic, you know? I think that uh, as a mediator in this situation, I'm going to come down on both sides being right. One on the count of tortillas, which I believe would be points to you, and one on the count of uh, needing to clear up space and get rid of the the pickle juice, which I think would not be points for you. (laughs) This is a quick temperature check. Wash your hands, call your friends, and have a beautiful day. And a pickleback shot if you want. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, Books promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. The Environmental Protection Agency has suspended its enforcement of environmental laws during the coronavirus pandemic so that the trees can also get sick. The temporary directive, which will remain in place indefinitely, means factories, power plants, and other emitters will not be subject to fines for failure to monitor, report, or comply with regulations. Experts and environmental advocates say relaxing rules on a case-by-case basis could make sense for companies that may be short-staffed due to the health emergency, but they say this policy is far too expansive and gives too much discretion to companies to pollute, as long as they can say they did so because of the pandemic. Um, Gideon... 
I want to know who these people are who are just chomping at the bit to get out there and pollute. Are they like racehorses? Just like, oh, God, I got to get out there. I got to like dump some toxic waste in some water. Like, who are these people? At the the CEO of, of BP, you know, just in a stable, ready to ready to rock and roll. Okay, uh, the city of Jonesboro, Arkansas, was hit with a violent tornado on Saturday, causing severe property damage and injuring at least 22 people. The twister lifted debris more than four miles in the air and flattened buildings. Officials said that coronavirus-related social distancing and business closures probably cut down on the human toll of the storm. Had more people been out, the city's mayor said the outcome could have been much worse. Uh, So this is the only way in which coronavirus is good. Employees of Instacart are striking today after the company failed to provide them with supplies to protect themselves during coronavirus. This comes as more people are relying on delivery companies to buy groceries from home. I'll be eating my most ancient freezer-burned venison my dad sent me in the mail in solidarity with the workers. I literally I, I literally just did this. Instacart employees are seeking more personal protective equipment like disinfectant sprays and wipes, plus hazard pay and an expansion of sick pay for workers who contract COVID-19. Amazon warehouse workers in Staten Island are staging a similar demonstration today. They're refusing to work until Amazon closes and sanitizes their facility, which recently saw an employee test positive for coronavirus. Go workers. Everyone go to Aaron's dad. Please send me some venison.com. He'll and, do uh, it. He will a hundred percent. He, he like, we have three giant frozen venison summer sausages in our freezer too, which we will eat in solidarity with the Instacart workers so that we are not ordering food when they're striking. Listen, I'm, I'm, my arms are wide open for venison. Okay. Advisors for shareholders of Papa John's Pizza say Shaquille O'Neal shouldn't be reelected to the board because he missed too many meetings in his first term as director. Sounds like a classic case of being mad you didn't get to look at PowerPoints with Shaq. Shaq signed an $8.25 million contract to join Papa John's as part of a push to rehabilitate the company's image. One good way to rehabilitate your image is by not firing a beloved athlete. The man more commonly known as Kazam brought a lot of experience in the restaurant business as the owner of 155 Five Guys restaurants. For anyone doing the math at home, that's 775 guys total. And those are the headlines. That's all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, watch our laptop for one sec, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not mysterious crop circles like me, What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Aaron Ryan. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and hello, hello to, Shaq's to Shaq's nearly, nearly 800, 800 guys. guys. He's got a freaking army and he's coming. <laughs> What a Day is a product of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tun is our assistant producer. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our senior producer is Katie Long. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. This is BVK for Ocean City Tourism, OCMD Streaming Audio. On March 11th, 2024, The title of the spot is STSA Leisure Summer. This is a 30-second composite stereo streaming audio mix.
getaway with friends to the laid-back Maryland coast, where you can catch up while casting off and hang 10 while hanging out, where a day on board is never boring and full throttle is half the fun, where you can sink a putt, raise a glass, and there's always room for one more round. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com.